So, Rachel. Yeah? A mission of mercy is jeopardized when a planetary ruler decides he wants an Enterprise officer as his wife. Mm. What do you think you're going to get? This is the one they call racist. So what flavor of racist stereotyping are we having today? Mm. I'm going to go for African slash tribal. The wife will be Troy and she'll have all kinds of feelings about that. Riker will save her and also be jealous. Mm. Well, let's find out. Okay. Star Trek! Captain's Log, Stardate 41235.25. Our location, planet Ligon 2, source of a rare vaccine needed on Federation planet Styrus 4. Starfleet has instructed me to engage in a friendly visit and open treaty negotiations to acquire this medicinal substance. Standard orbit, sir. Lieutenant Yar calling from Cargo Bay 1, sir. Standing by to beam the Ligonian welcoming party aboard. On our way. You have the helm, Mr. Data. Welcome to Rachel Watches Star Trek. I'm Rachel Lackey. I'm Chris Lackey, and we are at RachelWatchesStarTrek.com and Patreon. Yeah, and don't forget to follow us on social media if you like that kind of thing. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are doing a a problematic episode of The Next Generation titled Code of Honor. This one was written by Catherine Powers and Michael Barron, directed by Russ Mayberry and Les Landau, uncredited. Russ was fired by Gene halfway through for hiring only African-American actors as the Ligonians. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Well, that kind of changes things. Mm. Like it was somebody made a bad choice yeah. and then it was like they were so far into it that we're they were like... we go with it now. Yeah. Yep. Because it wasn't all those actors' fault. But, oh, no. Yeah, they weren't It wasn't doing... even the writer's fault. No, because... It's not written racistly. <laughs> no, it's not written racistly. It was like one person's bad casting decision. Mm. Boy, this requires some more discussion at the end of the episode. Yeah, let's see if we come to any conclusions. We won't. <laughs> <laughs> we need you for that. Uh-huh. The Enterprise is orbiting Ligon 2, the only source of a vaccine needed to cure a plague. Achilles fever. <laughs> that sounds kind of... Yeah, you quite want it. I got some Achilles fever going on right here. Oh, I know where your Achilles heel is. Mm. (laughs) Why is that hot? So Picard, Troy, Riker, and Yar greet the Lagonians in the cargo bay. It surely is a well-worn Star Trek concept of this is the only place we can find the materials to cure an epidemic. Yeah. And again, it's very timely. God, come on. What is it with beating us over the head with this COVID-themed Star Trek? (laughs) Give us a break. I just got to put in another objection to the whole idea that there's a vaccine that can't be replicated. Yeah. They're able to break a human being down and then reconstruct them. Yeah. The Ligonians beam in using their own transport device. Yeah, they don't trust the outsiders. They're all African-American actors in sparkly, lush kind of harem pants. It's more of an Arabian or a Japanese style. Yeah. I'd say. I know with the writing, they said they try to model it on ancient Japanese shogun culture. Yeah. We've got some turban hats. I think we've even got the little um, pointing up shoes. Oh, really? That he wears in Aladdin. Hmm. There's one leader and then his guards. They bring their own carpet and roll it out and then he beams in and walks down it. So, you know, a bit of, bit of an entrance made. 
Riker and Troy have done their research and say the Ligonians have similarities to human culture. They're real tight on their rules and honor is a big thing. After the introductions, Lutan expresses curiosity that a woman is in charge of security. Hagon, Luton's number two, approaches Picard with a sample of the vaccine and has a kerfuffle with Yar, who wants to check it first. She grabs him and gives him a good spin throw round to, <laughs> down to the ground. And Troy says, don't apologize. They'll see it as weak. So Picard just says, let's party, baby. <laughs> yeah. Not really seen in Star Trek so far a bodyguard security person. They don't usually do anything, do they? Picard's being treated like the president or something here. Well, Nobody can go near him without her checking it out first. No one yeah. ha- can hand him anything. Well, that's something that wasn't really in the original series. You didn't have a security officer. They're all dispensable. They were all just some thugs that got bossed around by Kirk, basically. But her job is to keep everybody's safe and so if somebody starts doing something fishy wham yeah so so they're showing us the contrast quite smugly between starfleet having a female security officer and then these ligonians being whoa never heard of that idea before (laughs) women are treated quite differently in our society Uh nice performance from lutan yeah friendly with an air of menace some complexity to sort of weaving in and out of it. Yeah, I think. yeah. He's really sussing them out, trying to work out how to treat them. Mm. Jesse Lawrence Ferguson is the actor. He was in Starsky and Hutch. Boys in the Hood is the thing he's best known for oh, as right. a mm-hmm. enraged bad cop or something. Lutan whispers to his guard that Yah may be just what he needs. It's suck-up time in the observation lounge. Picard gives Lutan a gift of an old horse statue, and Lutan gives this speech. We of Ligon have been apprehensive about strangers. We're not technologically advanced as you, yet we possess something you do not. A vaccine, which has been found to be an effective antidote against your dreaded Angelese fever. If you respect our customs, and we see that respect, we will be friends, and we will make the antidote available to all who need it. If you require respect from us, I'm sure that you will see it. (laughs) Surrounded by such friendship, I feel no need for my guards. I will return shortly. Prepare to transport me then. Ooh, that's a bold move, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, come on, it's it's Picard. (laughs) He's got no reason not to trust them. Yeah. The guards transport out, leaving Lutan and Hagen. We learn that on Ligon, women own all the land and wealth but the men are in charge. Lutan asks to see the holodeck. He wants Yar to show him. Yeah, he's very keen on Yar already. Yar's very proud of the Aikido training holo program. Meh, I get it's conceptually really good, but it's boringly done. We've got a fake opponent who adjusts to your every move, learns, improves, and gets more difficult to defeat. Mm -hmm. That's a cool concept. Yeah. How do they manage to make it so boring? I think they focused on it too long. Yeah. It's like, here's the thing. Look. <laughs> Stand and stare at it. And for the holodeck, they didn't really flesh it out much, did they? It was mostly just a grid. Yeah. Yeah, come on. It's cheaper to do that, obviously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back in the cargo bay, Lutan is about to beam back to his planet when he grabs Yar and beams her down too. Mm, kidnapping. So that's one of the problematic aspects of this episode, racially. Yeah. That the black characters are kidnapping a white woman. Yeah. Yeah. Picard orders red alert. There's no communication from Ligon, so they blast a display of photon torpedoes 1,000 meters above the planet's surface. As a show of power, but they're not going to use the power? I think it was to try and intimidate them, or maybe they just thought they would like a nice fireworks display. (laughs) How does that fit into the prime directive they're banging on about? 
for the rest of the episode, though. Well, they aren't directly interfering with them. They're trying to get them to cooperate. Mm. They're not culturally interfering. Mm. Aren't they culturally interfering even by letting them see their ship? No. If they're pre-warp. No? No, I don't think they are pre-warp. They've got transporter technology. They've got transporters, but I was pretty sure they... Well, they're less advanced. Yeah, but that doesn't... So what else is there? Maybe they have ships that only go warp seven. Hmm. Here's the truth. It didn't seem like they'd left their planet to me. Maybe they have, maybe they haven't. I'm going to come down hard. I'm just going to make a stance. I don't think they have warp technology at all. Oh, okay. So who's right? If they've got transporter tech in Star Trek on the scale of what technologies developed before what technology, generally warp speed comes way before transporter tech. Because why would you need it otherwise? Well, it's super complicated and it yeah. requires a lot of energy to be able to break somebody down to the molecular level and reconstruct them and going warp speed, you just create a warp bubble and then bam. They've just got their little retro transporter, you know, the old version. Like, it's well, still, How is it not the pinnacle of technology anyway? It's really maybe, silly. maybe it doesn't have the range of a normal transporter. Maybe it takes longer to use the normal. I don't know. <laughs> you have to use a rotary phone <laughs> to activate it. They can't trace the location of the transporter beam, so they can't find out where Yar is. They justify this because the Legons use their own transporter. Troy comes in with her typically useless information. <laughs> in fact, on Tor.com, one of their kind of repeated phrases is, Thank you, Counselor Obvious. <laughs> she sensed avarice and ambition from Lutan rather than just attraction to Yar. And she says they have to show their patient because it's a Legonian rule. I was feeling frustration and boredom. <laughs> Could she sense that? <laughs> Look, I got to disagree because she knew things like don't apologize for Yar. Yeah, that's true. You know, there's a bunch of stuff that insights that she provides yeah. that everybody's like, oh, I knew that already. Her research is good, but her feeling stuff isn't always useful. Well, I don't know. It's a combination of the two. The next day, Crusher, looking very attractive, mm. says the vaccine works great, but it can't be synthesized. She's really feeling it. Oh, yeah. She's had a harrowing experience of treating people who are ill, but I don't know where because it's on a different planet, surely. She's been down to the Federation planet that's suffering from the plague. Or she's just seen other people die of different diseases mm. on different assignments. I don't know. Uh, seems very recent. I appreciate them at least bringing out the Handwavium device, knowing the viewer will wonder why you can't just replicate it. But it does seem silly that they couldn't. Mm -hmm. In an irrelevant B plot, question mark, Picard allows Wesley onto the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> He's been lurking creepily on the lift. <laughs> to sit temporarily at Ops. They can't be insured for this. Also, they're rewarding last week's behavior. <laughs> Which is not good. It wasn't his fault. What? He was possessed by a, uh, a narcotic of some right. kind. It, yeah, but it only opened up what he would have done anyway. Oh, that's uh. not true. And I think what they're doing is they're laying groundwork for future relationship between Picard and Wesley and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's what this is. It's yep. not a B-plot for this particular episode. It's a B-plot for the entire season. Okay. Data reminds us that the Lagonians live by a strict code of honor and that what Lutan has done is like the Native American counting coup. I knew they'd come into it somewhere. <laughs> Gene. Lutan's abduction of the toughest person was a sign of heroism. It's cool that Yar's skill and toughness is acknowledged. The most badass warrior on the ship is a woman. Yeah. Picard should ask for her back nicely. Lutan says, come on down. We had established in the pilot episode that Picard's really bristly, grumpy guy. And it would be funny to see that contrast with somebody trying to suck up for a good cause. Yeah. But he's kind of lost a bit of that grumpiness since that first episode. So it doesn't quite have the same 
tension. Oh, I see it in the performance that he is swallowing his pride and doing what he yeah. has to do. He's doing more subtly, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Stuart is a magnificent actor. Oh, of course, from Yorkshire. Riker. <laughs> Riker doesn't want to allow Picard down on the planet because he is in danger because obviously this guy's deceitful and he steals people Mm -hmm. and Picard says look I'm the one with the highest status on the ship and all this honor stuff means that they're only going to listen to me so I have to go yeah again the argument's valid but I don't want to hear about it oh man I see I love this stuff I find (laughs) it very interesting to think about these things there are also lots of jokes that Troy smiles or laughs at which do not land at all (laughs) I didn't even notice those (laughs) Riker will put Picard on report if he gets hurt. Oh. <laughs> I had a good chuckle at that one. <laughs> I can't take Riker seriously with that hair. It's it's pretty pretty eighties hair. It's all fluffed up and I blow guess hairspray blow dried. Yeah, yeah, but you ju- just get some gel on it. Come on. Uh, Picard and Troy, who are the core best friends gang, I guess, beam down to Lutan's center place and greeted by Lutan Hagen and his first one, Urena. Yeah, that's Lutan's first wife, I think. I don't know if he's got more wives because he calls Hagen his second. So I think it's like she's the most important below Lutan and then Hagen is third. Right. Oh, okay. And they say, hey, we're great hosts. What do you fancy? How do you do Patrick Stewart's <laughs> I want to uh, toast of London. Dry roasted peanuts. Yes, I want to see the person you've abducted. Thanks. Oh, and do you have any dry roasted peanuts? <laughs> Yeah, gets shoved in, then claims they're treating her well. She doesn't look like she's being treated very well, does she? Yeah, they're totally kind of shoving her around a bit. Yeah. Lutan says she'll be returned at a banquet in their honour tonight. Gross! That's so, oh, it's just such a show of power, isn't yeah. it? At the banquet, Picard makes a speech. Lutan, you have granted us hospitality and the safety of your centre place. The gifts you give us are rare and precious. We thank you. And now, according to the customs of your ancestors, whom we honor and respect, I am here in peace to ask for the return of Lieutenant Yar. Well spoken. There are those among my equals in this gathering who were wary of my approaching the Federation. I am proud to have taken this first step toward a treaty and proud that we have something of great value to offer you. A priceless, life-giving vaccine. The abduction I have done according to our custom for all to see. Your conduct in this matter has been beyond exemplary, Captain Picard. But now that the moment has come, I find that I cannot part with her. Oh, no, he better don't, etc. I didn't care. Yeah. Yarina is royally pissed off, though, and challenges Yar's right of supersedence with a fight to the death. The vaccine is now conditional on this fight. Meanwhile, the plague has worsened and millions could die. Picard, Troy, and Yar hang out. Troy does some creepy feelings reading to trick Yar into saying that she's attracted to Lutan because he's <laughs> such a basic male image who wants her. <laughs> so weird. It's all clunky and strange and... I mean, it's cool that there's uh, an interracial attraction. That's good. Yeah. So that's forward thinking, at least. Yar is confident that she will win the fight, but is concerned about Yarina. One of them's called Yar and one of them's called Yarina. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) 
Picard sucks up to Lutan in a kind of bro way and learns Lutan is poor without her money and land and he can't stay in power without it. But if she dies, he gets it. Meanwhile, we've got a skit with Data and LaForge. LaForge is shaving with a space razor and trying to escape Data's jokes, which was kind of amusing that you can obviously tell Data's constantly testing his <laughs> <laughs> jokes on him. And this is the 600th joke he's tried or something. But Data's delivery actually did make me laugh. It was, it's funny. We always come back to the human equation. Exactly. Have you continued to work on it? Constantly, my friend. Particularly the humor. A man goes to a store to buy some kidneys. Oh, no. He says to the shopkeeper, I'd like a pound of kiddlies, please. The shopkeeper says, you mean kidneys, don't you? The man says, I said kiddlies. Did I? <laughs> I just liked it. I liked it. The humorless way he delivered it was funny. It's funny. This is kind of the first time we get a sense of Data and Jordy's relationship. They're the best buds. Oh, good. Like, okay. That's one of the things that continues throughout the series. That's nice. They beam down to the planet to examine the weapons on display and try to work out what's going to happen in the duel. Yarina reluctantly meets with Yar, who tries to talk her out of fighting. I guess this doesn't meet the Bechdel test because they're talking about Lutan the whole time, yeah. which would be the same with Troy and Yar earlier in this episode. Yeah. Last week it did, though, when Yar was creeping around in Troy's bedroom and trying on her scarves. Oh, yeah. Kind of. Yeah, anyway, Yarina is determined to fight. Yarina. <laughs> I didn't notice that yeah, until you pointed arena. it out. Oh, boy. The weapons arrive to be worn on one hand, uh, a kind of club with poison spikes and a claw at the end. Ugh. They see Arena practicing in the arena. It is some real weak sauce. Oh. It, 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 is. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's this tiny square with some different leveled steps on it, metal bars, and you have to swing on the bars, kind of like stripper poles. Oh, do you think? Oh, yeah. Oh. I totally saw that as a stripper pole kind of thing. And it's just not well choreographed, mm. or I just don't believe that she's it. any kind of fighter. No. Data beams back to get Riker up on the plan. And the plan's a mystery to us at this point, I think. Yeah, we don't know what's happening. The fight begins. Spectators, including Picard, Troy and LaForge, and locals banging ivory sticks together, sit way too close as they come by with their poisoned weapons. People are nearly killed just as they come by. <laughs> yeah. A lame as fight follows, with lots of dodging and occasional light kicking in the chest. It's, man. <laughs> it looks very choreographed. It's bad. It's no the, foo, is it? It is no Kirk foo, let me tell you. Yurina's glove hits an electrified pole, flies off, and hits a spectator, killing him. The fight pauses until she gets it back. Yar grabs Yurina's wrist, the one with the weapon on it, and manages to lightly graze her, possibly by accident. Yeah, I wasn't sure there. Then leaps on her, and they beamed up. They managed to satisfy Lutan to grant the vaccine because he's now inherited Yarina's money. Picard then gets everyone beamed up and Lutan is royally cheesed off to see Yarina's alive. Yeah. Crusher has saved her, but the bargain is still legit because she did die. Plot twist, because she's alive again, she still has her wealth and she takes Lutan's necklace off him and gives it to Hagen, who now has all her wealth and power. She gives Lutan the booby prize of being her second one. He accepts. Where's your honor now? <laughs> Well, it depends on honor's completely I mean, I subjective don't think that's thing. Honor, but <laughs> yeah, it's a subjective thing. What one person sees as honor, another person sees as treachery. It's it's ridiculous. And also, like, what kind of stupid rules do they have? You know, they're like, well, she died, so officially everything is as it is. So he should go, yeah, right. So I get all the money. Mm, but now she's back from the dead. It's so her she, money again. Obviously, she didn't die. We now need to we're stuck in a cycle. We need to continue the duel until somebody's oh, dead. Oh no. 
but they just kind of hand wave that yes. off. And <laughs> well, it's... they needed the episode to end somewhere. Of course, yeah. Thank goodness. Picard returns to the bridge and sees Wesley is still manning one of the stations. Riker says, oops, I forgot he was there. What? <laughs> just left him. <laughs> Sorry, at, I forgot. At the operations of the whole starship. <laughs> forgot he was there. Sorry. He's done fine. It's just so seamless with it that they don't even notice. No. Picard thanks him and he says he can have another turn later. What? <laughs> what is this? He's doing a good job. Uh, the Enterprise leaves to deliver the vaccine to Styrus 4. This clip really doesn't merit of being played, but this is how we end the show. So here you go. <laughs> so what's the delay, number one? Why aren't we warping out of here? Set course for Styrus 4, warp 3. Course laid in for Styrus 4, sir. Engage. Nailed it with that dialogue. <laughs> yeah, it really made me reflect on the episode and <laughs> yeah. think about what I learned and what I've pondered. Hmm. All right, let's get into some concepts. I'm not interested in honor. I guess I've learned that through the TOS episodes that are based on a space fight mm-hmm. and often the sort of Romulan or Klingon episodes. I'm not particularly interested in the relationship between the two captains for example yeah so it's not my thing though mm-hmm. i accept it is a very important concept especially in relation to war and other cultures yeah we had women as holders of wealth and money they can choose their mate but then they have to fight to the death not to be knocked off his top spot are there any cultures like that i don't know that i'm aware of That's but a strange combo i gotta confess something i'm not a sociologist oh yeah, I know you've I've, you've been under that misconception our entire marriage, but uh, oh, yeah. Can we get one in? Anybody knows of any cultures that exist like this <laughs> yes, in history? Please tell, us. please tell us. Is it like a dowry a little bit? I guess so. Yeah, the woman brings in the money, but she doesn't actually have any control over how it's spent. Yeah. Troy is Picard's advisor rather than a therapist. Really, I'm seeing. Y- yes. She counsels him she, on what to do. Yes, but she actually does counsel people later in the series. Yeah. I like her. I really like her, but I just find the dynamics so odd. They're always side by side as though he could never go anywhere without her. Well, I mean, she's an advantage. She could read people's emotions. So if anybody's trying to be deceitful, she'll know. Yeah. Again, this is early in the series and things smooth out later. Yeah. So right now it's something here. I appreciate that. It's cool to see a different femininity as a sex symbol in Yar. She's several years after Ripley and Sarah Connor, of course, mm-hmm. but she's that kind of badass person, mm-hmm. shorter hair, physically strong and able. She doesn't have the usual markers of femininity. I feel totally unqualified to talk about race here. Mm. I tried to find reviews of this that were written by people of colour, yeah. but I couldn't find any. There are lots of white people out there saying how racist the episode is. So if you're listening or know of anybody who's a Star Trek fan, who is a person of colour, who has an opinion on this, please get in touch with us because yes. we'd love to put that in the comments show. Mm-hmm. At least they're not browning up. They were doing accents. They were still intellectual. It wasn't like me, see you, no. I don't know. That's. I mean, that's sad, isn't it, that I should give it a point for not doing that. The actors are all black and they're baddies, civilised savages, and that's part of why it's been pointed at as being a racist episode. Yeah. They were monocultural. I suppose they would be, as it was a leader, his wife and staff. So they all had to live by the same culture or set of rules. The black man taking the white woman and the white saviour are problematic here because they've been overdone so much and have been so damaging. I don't think the script is racist necessarily, but because they cast only African-American actors, it's easy to put that narrative. It was a casting decision that made this racist. It wasn't. I mean, originally in the script, they were supposed to be reptilian. 
Yeah. So like if you just picture the script with like a totally alien reptilian race, then mm-hmm. it's it's fine. It's not problematic, but it's so obviously it's so complex, isn't it? Yeah. I want there to be twenty more non white actors in this episode. Oh right, yeah. So that there's some diversity going on. Yeah. And that you know, that's great. You should be able to do that. But you have to be careful how you do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's complicated. It's mm. there's no easy easy way to do it. Jonathan Frakes referred to this episode as a racist piece of shit. He also said the worst and most embarrassing and one that even Gene would have been embarrassed by was a horrible racist episode from the first season, Code of Honor. Oh, my God in heaven. Mm. And Brent Spiner, who plays Data, uh, regarded this as the worst episode we ever did. Mm. So we've got past the worst one. Yay. Yeah. Spiner said it was an inadvertently racist episode. It would never be on purpose, would it, with Star Trek, of course. Yeah. Right. But I think the point still needs to be made. Yeah. LeVar Burton, the one actor that he he agreed with Garrett Wang, who was from Voyager, who said the episode stinks. He goes, without question. Mm. So LeVar Burton did not like this episode either. But he didn't say whether or not he thought it was racist. Yes. Rod Roddenberry, Gene's son, he has a different take on it. He says, Code of Honor is the one that people say is the most racist, but I just don't see it. Uh, is it the best episode? No. Is it the best episode ever? No. But did I enjoy the episode? Sure. I just saw some people on a planet that happened to be of dark skin that evolved in this certain way. Mm. I can see that maybe you see it that way. That's fine. But we don't live in a world where there aren't people of color that are still being oppressed. So uh, and stereotypes being enforced. So I, I do feel like it it does miss the mark. But I'm a, I'm a white guy. So what do mm. I know? Yeah, man, it gets complicated. Mm. Because there are cultural things that I think are inappropriate, especially the way some cultures treat women. Yeah. It's complicated. The episode said something about having to suck up to a culture that is not just different, but contrary to your culture's set of rules because they have something that you need and how that can be exploited Mm. by the people in power. And that's an interesting concept to me and something that is used the world over in different situations. Mm. So what concepts were there sci-fi wise? Uh, nothing new was really introduced. We got no. a little bit more detail on the holodeck because the first time that we saw it, it was just sort of some plants and things. But now we can see the holodeck can actually make holographic people that you can punch and touch and feel. So yes. that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. For some reason, transporter technology can't synthesize a vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not a really good concept. I don't buy that, but whatever. So I'm going to go lowball on this one yeah, and say three. Three. Entertainment. Let's entertainment. Oh, yeah. It was a pretty sleepy, not exactly boring, but certainly lethargic episode. The lamest fight. Mm. Great sparkly outfits for the aliens, though. Good performances. Or at least, I guess, I didn't notice any bad performances anyway. Nothing stood out. The set seemed pretty basic, especially the holodeck. I'm not happy about Troy's outfit, especially that belt. She's... (laughs) She's better off than she was in the miniskirt. Yeah. But this kind of thick unitard with the wide legs and then it's got this really unflattering, low-hanging belt around the hips. Nope, keep trying. On tour.com, bit of a scathing chunk here from that. I'm trying to think of a cliche that wasn't used in this episode, but none spring to mind. A flat, lifeless hour with no kind of suspense, no interesting character development, and a plot that was aggressively paint by numbers. Among the lowlights are clunky dialogue, ranging from the stilted diplomatic backing and forthing to the clumsy exposition about the Ligonians, to the Ligonians themselves describing their culture as if it was from a textbook rather than their own experiences. (laughs) I agree with that last bit, actually. 
The writer of that article, Keith R.A. DeCandio, isn't convinced the episode is racist. Not the writing anyway, but he says an episode doesn't need to be racist to be mediocre. And I don't know what to think about it, but I can see why people have been offended, certainly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'll give it a three out of ten for entertainment. Man, I, I'm going to go even lower. I think it's a two out of ten. Hmm. Maybe even a one out of ten? No, there was still there was interesting bits. elements Yeah, there, there were bits the in there that was good. Um, the I'm going to go. Well, yeah, there were still some things that interested me. Maybe three is, maybe I'm being too hard on it. Three. Sexiness. Oh, God, would I love to show you. <laughs> Sexiness. Sexiness. Yaa's sexual self continues to be a confusing mystery. <laughs> Her attraction to Lutan and then saying it's complicated when asked about it later. Is that linked to her trauma again, do you think? I don't know. It's just weird. I, I don't understand. Why is it complicated? I would have thought nothing of it if she said, oh, yeah, he's kind of attractive because he is. But yeah, like, I think she alluded to being attracted to him because he's powerful and maybe cruel, but wants her. Oh, and then that would link into the yeah. trauma she's experienced. Uh, I thought the, the it's complicated thing was due to the fact that you know she's a Starfleet officer, he's married, you know, like yeah. all of these things. But maybe yeah, it is linked to her trauma. I don't know. It's I weird. I don't know. Luton was attractive, but a jerk. He's no calm. Though. He's no calm. I mean, he didn't have that charisma. No, no way. Riker's hair loses a point, down to 2.5. Uh, yeah, I didn't find anything particularly sexy about this episode, so uh, two. All right, your guesses? Well, it was African slash tribal. The rest was totally wrong. Yeah, you could totally get out of there. Out Too of bad, there. sucker. So that's it. We've gone through the worst of next gen, and hey. everything is uphill from here. The only way is up. Well, Rachel, thank you for weathering this code of honor with me and next week we'll have something that's a little bit more fun i hope so why what's it gonna be i don't remember oh, okay. but it's not this episode so Hooray! it'll definitely be more fun <laughs> sounds great i've been warned about this season and the next one yeah so keep going with us we'll uh, enjoy going through the bad ones until we get to the good ones oh, i'm just thinking of the good ones that are coming i'm so excited about uh, it i'd like to thank a few new patrons you beautiful darlings welcome to the crew We've got Neil Kaplan, who's filled in his promotion paperwork oh. and upped to Lieutenant Commander. Thank you, Neil. Congratulations. Welcome, Lieutenant Lucinda Baron von Parker. Thank you. And Lieutenant James Carrier. Thank you and welcome. Welcome aboard. And we've got Lieutenant Anthony Brown. Welcome and thank you. It will be an honor to serve with you. <laughs> i got to work on my Picard impersonation. <laughs> Uh, and with that, I'm Rachel Lackey. I'm Chris Lackey, and you've been listening to... Rachel Watches Star Trek. Thank you for listening. Star Trek!